Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from May 25th by Pastor Randy, titled The Spiritual Battle. Okay, so there's a verse of scripture that you see a whole lot on the walls and people's homes and hospitals and churches, nursing homes and things like that. And it's John 10.10. And whenever you see the verse, it's always the same. It's dot, dot, dot. I've come that might have life, might have it more abundantly. And usually dot, dot, dot stands for something that you don't really need to have in order to understand the meaning of the verse. But if you look at dot, 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 what it stands for is that the thief comes before the kill, steal, and destroy. Now I can understand why you don't want that part of the verse hanging over great-grandma's room in a nursing home. But it's essential to understanding the verse. That God wants us to have life. Jesus came that we might really know how to live. But there's an enemy that that opposes that. In other words, we need to live our life with our eyes not only in what we see, but also on the unseen world. And what Jesus says is that if you really want to have life, if you want to have life too abundantly, you have to focus on what is unseen because there's an enemy out there who's coming after you. That's the reality in which we live in. We have this spiritual reality that we need to be aware of. Now, there's a great example of this in a movie that came out about 20 years ago called The Matrix. A lot of good spiritual parallels in that movie. In the movie, uh, mankind's been taken over by machines. And so everybody is trapped in these pods and, and they have tubes coming out of them and they're in these little bitty pods, but they're being fed this virtual reality. So in their minds, they think they're living out life as normal, going to work, going to school, going to play, and everything else is just as normal. But in reality, they're hooked up to these pods. And a guy named Morpheus and a few other people have escaped their pods and now they're fighting these machines. And so they, they come to this guy named Neo. Now Neo, he's trapped in his pod, his virtual reality, but he senses there's just something else out there. And so Morpheus comes to him through this virtual reality, and he offers him the opportunity to take a blue pill or a red pill. And he says to him, hey, you take this blue pill, and life will continue as is. You can believe what you want to believe, and life will just go on. But if you take the red pill... He says, I promise you the truth and nothing more. Well, he takes the red pill. Then all of a sudden, he's opened up this whole new world. And there's pain and there's battles and there's stuff going on. But it's the real world. Now, in our culture today, I think Christians continue to want to take the blue pill. To be completely oblivious that there's a whole other spiritual dimension out there. But that's what, that's what the Bible teaches. People want to think that Satan doesn't exist or that he's just some logo for sin or, 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 or just representation of evil or something like that. But I believe that there's a real evil, there's a real Satan, if for no other reason because Jesus did. You look through the Gospels and about 25% of his teachings and interactions had to do with demons. The point is this, we live in a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual war in that, in that what we're engaged in. And that's not just one of the themes in the Bible. That's the theme of the whole Bible. It's the main theme of the Bible. And just as Jacob had that dream and he woke up from that dream, and he realized, but God's in this place. And just as 
uh, Elisha's servant has eyes open. He saw spiritual armies all around them in the mountains. And just as Daniel prayed and he became aware of this spiritual battle that was going on through his prayers, there's another world. There's another dimension. And that other world is, is more real, more deadly, more interactive than the world that we live in now. Now that may sound like hocus pocus to some people, but that's what the Bible teaches. And it shouldn't be that far off for us to understand that. I mean, after all, there's a lot of things that go on in this world that, that we know that exist, but we can't see. Viruses, we know they exist, but we can't see them. Electricity, we know that exists, but we can't see that. So let me give you a couple of principles real quick before we move on with the message. Just four principles to understand. Number one is this, is that spiritual war is a cosmic conflict in the spiritual realm, but it's played out in the physical realm. In other words, the battle is spiritual, but the results are physical. Or to put it another way, you may not be able to see the bullet, but the blood is real. Second of all, we were all born into this war. There's nowhere you can go to escape it. There's no bunker you can hide in. There's no part of this universe you can go in and escape this war. Thirdly, what you want you to understand about this is that it affects everybody. Everything physical is affected by something spiritual. Everything. Everything physical is either caused by or interacted with or somehow influenced by something spiritual. Every part of life is. Your finances, your emotions, your, your morals, uh, your psychology, your, your, your physical life. Every part of life, psychological, physical, is, is influenced by the spiritual world. And lastly... Your ability to affect the physical world is going to be determined by your ability to affect the spiritual world. Or to, to put it another way, it's your ability to influence the spiritual realm that will determine your victory or defeat in the physical realm. That's why Satan wants you to believe that he doesn't exist. Because if he can divert your mind from the spiritual world, he can divert your mind from the only place in which the solution lies. And it's working. Because that's the way most Christians exist. With the, they go through their lives every day and with no idea or no, or no thought of the, that there's a spiritual battle going on. There's a spiritual realm around them. That we wind up like Saul and Israel army before Goliath, completely paralyzed. See, every day Saul and his army, they were content to get up, dress up, line up, and just stay put. Why? Because Saul had completely lost sight that there's this whole spiritual realm out there. And because he had lost sight of the spiritual, he couldn't do anything about the physical. Then along comes a little boy named David who understands the spiritual realm and his eyes are on the spiritual realm and that enables him to easily defeat the issue in the physical realm. So, so many times we get caught in this idea that we just need to huddle up and, and stay put and hope things don't get worse. But as we've seen the last couple of weeks, we're not called to maintain ground, but we're called, called to gain ground against the enemy. So we're in this battle. How do we win? What do we need to do to change our perspective? So let me give you something we can do to, to help us focus on the spiritual world, not just the physical world. It's simply this. Change our prepositions. Our prepositions. So we're going to go back to grammar class real quick. Mirror grammar, cla grammar class, a preposition... Is something that if you get it wrong, the sense can sound real weird. 
and can mess up everything. Just totally, just completely be misunderstood in the sentence. For example, if I say dinner is on the table, that means, hey, let's come and eat. Dinner's ready. But if I say dinner is under the table, that just sounds weird. And nobody's happy about that except maybe the dog. If I say the baby's in the car, that means great. We're ready to go. The baby's in the car. But if we're driving down the road and I say the baby is on the car, that's cause for an alarm, right? You stop, but hopefully not too quickly. The baby's going to come sliding off the top of the car and land on the street. But the way they make car seats these days, it'd probably be fine. Probably just, just great. How about this? We know in the past couple of weeks we've seen states uh, change the way that they report deaths by coronavirus, by COVID-19. Uh, they, used to, they, they make a distinction now between dying with the virus and dying from the virus. And those are completely different things. But it all depends upon the preposition. The preposition that we use a lot today or that describes the Christian life a lot today is that people will sometimes they will live for God's love. Now if you're living for God's love, that you got to put some work in that. you got to put some intention in that so you can get God's love. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach that we, li- that we live for God's love. The Bible teaches that we live from God's love. That His love is unconditional. He's already forgiven us all our sins. Completely different situation. For example, if you grew up in a home where you were trying to live for your parents' love, there's a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety in that. You, you'll never wind up to be good enough. You're always trying to please your parents, and it's never going to happen if you're trying to live for your parents' love. But completely different if you grew up in a home where you live from your parents' love. If you live for the blessings of God as a Christian, that means you had to do things and do things right in order to earn God's blessings. And if you're not being blessed by God, it's because you didn't earn God's blessings if you're living for His blessings. But the Bible teaches is that we live from God's blessings, that He's already blessed us with all spiritual blessings, and we live from God's blessings. But probably the, the, the issue in which this matters most is spiritual warfare. Because we've lost sight of the fact that we're not... We're not fighting for victory, that we're fighting from victory. See, if you're fighting for victory, that means it depends upon you. That means the outcome is not yet sure. It's still undecided what's going to happen if you're trying to live your life for victory. But if you live your life from victory, it's completely different. You have confidence in God if you live your life from victory. No matter what you're going through, there's a confidence there. If you're living from victory, you have a peace no matter how much turmoil is going on in your life. Very different situations in that. Let's look at a verse in John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. So he's telling us right there that he's already won the victory. And probably no other book is this clear in than the book of Revelation that the victory has been won. Revelation is sort of like a spoiler alert. 
You know, when somebody is about to give away the end of a book or the end of a movie or a, or a score of a game, they might say, spoiler alert, so in case you don't want to hear that, you either go somewhere else or you say, don't tell me or something like that. Well, Revelation is sort of like a, a spoiler alert. But what the, what the research tells us now is that if you know the ending of a story, you enjoy the story a whole lot more. And you're able to look for hidden meanings in the story as you go along. You look for deeper things in it if you already know the, how the story ends. And, you know, I know I enjoy watching a game if I know my team won, so it's that same type of idea. And so in that way, Revelation is sort of like a spoiler alert, but, but not really because, because we enjoy the story. We're, we're in it, but we, we enjoy what's going on. It's enjoyable for us unless you don't like the ending. If you don't like the ending of Revelation, you're not going to enjoy the story. It's not going to be good for you. If you don't love Jesus, it's a miserable story, right? And so what we see in, in, in the book of, of Revelation is he tells us who wins in the end. It may not seem like it now. It may seem like you're losing now. But here's what you need to know about the end. Christ has conquered Satan and is conquering him through the suffering of Christians. So here's what I want to do. I want to read this longer passage in Revelation chapter 12. In fact, it's, it's the whole chapter. That's why it's a longer chapter. So we're going to read that longer passage. But we're going to read that together. And as we go through this, there's a lot of symbolism. See if you can figure out what the symbolism is. And we're going to come back and go through this. Because it has a great point for, our, uh, for what we're talking about today. So, Revelation chapter 12. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon and, and under her feet and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was with child and she cried out, being in labor and in pain to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he he might devour her child. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God, so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his archangels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough. And there was no, no, no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. The serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan. Who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth. And his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he only has a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. 
But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. All right, so you guys got all that, right? You know exactly what's going on. All right. Uh, a little difficult sometimes to follow, but what we have here is we have a battle that's kind of looked at from three different aspects. Uh, you have the woman part of it, then you have a battle in heaven and a battle on earth. And the reason this is so confusing us, and the reason that a lot of Revelation confuses a lot of people is because it's not in chronological order. They just didn't think like that. They didn't, that was not their main way of storytelling, was making sure we get the chronology just right. So it's not in chronological order. But in this story, there are uh, three characters, three main characters, the woman, the child, and the dragon. Now, who's the woman? First of all, the woman who has this child, you think, well, that's Mary. But then this woman is described with the, with the moon and the stars. And that takes you back to Joseph's dream in, in, in Genesis. And so it sort of represents, uh, this woman sort of represents the people of the Old Testament. But then this woman has a child and you see the child being, being chased uh, by the dragon. And that sort of represents the people of the New Testament. So basically, when looking from this from biblical perspective, you don't have the Old Testament, then a break, then a New Testament people of God. You just have the people of God. And so this woman just represents the people of God. This child. Look back at verse 5. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Clearly a reference to Jesus, but you have his birth and his ascension all in one verse. And then you have Satan. The dragon described here as having seven heads and seven crowns, mimicking the perfection of God, being a counterfeit God. Which is what he, he tries to be all his life to give us counterfeits to God. So a few months ago, we were celebrating Christmas. Everybody has nativity scenes, right? We had one right up here. And there's Mary and Joseph and, and maybe an angel that's there. And, and the shepherds and the, the animals and maybe wise men you might have at your nativity too. But I bet you've never seen a nativity with a dragon there waiting to devour the child. But that's exactly what was happening from a spiritual perspective. And that sort of sums up the whole Old Testament. Remember in Genesis, as soon as you had the prophecy that, that, that this Messiah will come and he will crush the head of the serpent, Satan's been trying to do away with the Messiah. We see that when we see the barrenness in the Old Testament. We see that. Uh, went through the lineage of David as, as after David's reigns in reigns. It rain ends. You see the people trying to wipe out all of his genealogy. You see Joash is a little boy who's hidden away. Then comes back to reign a king at seven years old. You see them when they're taken away to uh, captivity in Babylon. That Haman tries to kill all the Jews. When Jesus is born, what does Herod try to do? He takes and he he kills all the babies in the surrounding area to try and kill Jesus. When Jesus is is starting his ministry, Satan takes him into the wilderness to tempt him for 40 days. 
so that he can do anything to keep him from being the Messiah. So this sort of sums up the whole, whole Old Testament. That there's a, there's a dragon that, that's there. But some things you need to realize about these verses too that we just read. Did you notice a theme throughout these verses? Concerning the dragon. He loses. In his battle with the woman, he loses. Battle with the child. To try to destroy a child, he loses. Battle against Michael and the archangels, he loses. The dragon's a loser. He loses every time. But it turns out he's a sore loser. He doesn't like losing. He gets angry. Look back here at verse... Verse 12, For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he only has a short time. So he's lost. And so, because he's lost, he's angry, so he's got all this anger and destruction. So what's he going to do about it? What's he going to do with all this anger and destruction that's built into him that, that he's just trying to pour out because he keeps losing? What's he going to do? Well, here, we're told. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So he's going to go after the children of this, of this woman. And the children are described, those who keep the commandments of God and hold to his testimony. Somebody ought to warn these guys. Dragon's coming after them. Somebody ought to tell them. So who are they? It's you and I. That's who it is. We have a dragon that, that's, uh, that, that's coming after us. And notice also, as we said before, that we're fighting from victory, not for victory. The angels are singing about us. That we've overcome Him. How do we overcome Him? By our testimony. And by the blood of the Lamb. So through the cross, through the blood on the cross, and through our worship, we defeat Him. So, we are to fight from victory and not for victory. So what does that look like? What does it look like to fight from victory? I can tell you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like somebody who's always angry and bitter and holding grudges. It doesn't look like somebody who sees themselves as a victim and it gives excuse, excuse, excuse for the sin in their lives. It doesn't look like somebody who's addicted or who wants, who wants possessions and power above everything else. It doesn't look like any of that. So what does it look like? I've seen that too. It looks like the woman whose husband has died, but she stands up there finally at his funeral and worships God. It looks like the, the couple whose marriage is on the rocks and it looks like it's, it's, it's going to end in divorce, but they decide that they're going to learn to love each other the way God has loved them and they rebuild their marriage based on loving each other the way God has loved them. It looks like the teenager who rather than choosing a career in which he goes off and, and makes lots of, lots of money, becomes wealthy and powerful, instead he chooses to go on a mission field and give his life for God on the mission field. It looks like the person who stands up and says, I know how the story ends. God's going to come one day and wipe away every tear from every eye. And we're going to live with Him forever. And nothing, nothing can stop that. Nothing can prevent that from happening. 
So, verse 17. So the dragon was erased with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So that's his description. That's his description of us. So do you see that description in your life? Or do you ignore his commands? Do you walk in purity? Do you give him a portion of what you have? Do you control your tongue? And let me ask you something else that is critical to our series that we're in right now. Do you live your life with an eye on the spiritual dimension? Are you taking the red pill or blue pill every day? Okay, that's the question to ask. When you get up in the morning, do you take the blue pill and you just want to live in blissful ignorance of the spiritual dimension? Or do you get up in the morning and you take the red pill so you can live in reality what's going on so you can keep your eye on the spiritual world while you're going through the physical world? Knowing that what, how you react to the spiritual world is going to determine what happens to you in the physical world. That's the reality which the Bible calls us to live in. For we have an enemy, a thief, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. So, which leads us to the ultimate question this morning. Do you have that life? Here's the thing about Revelation. Is that there's only two options. There's no riding the fence. And if you think you're riding the fence, you're probably not going to like the ending of the story. It's probably not good for you. Because if you're on God's side, you know that. It's made a difference in your life and it's continuing to make a difference every day. And so you only have two options here. And so maybe some of you this morning, you can quit taking that blue pill and decide you want to wake up and take the red pill and live with the reality of what Jesus did on the cross and how that has to have an effect on you today. It has to become personal to you. You can't just live your life saying, okay, yeah, I believe that happened. I'm going to go back and live my life the way I want to. Because then you're ignoring the spiritual dimension. You're ignoring it completely. You'll just stand there paralyzed your whole life. And Goliath will sit there and do what he wants to with you. So, where are you at? Red pill or blue pill? Which one describes your life? If you haven't yet made that decision, this is the time that you can make that decision. So let's stand together. We're going to come and sing a, a hymn of invitation. And so you have a decision to make. And you may want to come down front and say, God, I want to give my life to you. I'm ready to do that. You may come down front and say, man, I've been taking the blue pill my whole life. I'm ready to do something different. I'm ready to take that red pill today. And I want to wake up every day of my life and look toward God and look toward Him and let that have an effect on everything physical that goes on in my life. Your choice. Oh, 
supposed to be doing, uh, but I'd rather have you all sort of together toward the middle where I could just sit down here and focus on you with, with the group size we have, but I'm trying to, remember we got a lot of people watching on camera too, so this is new ground, I'm a televangelist and didn't want to be one, but here I am, whether I like it or not, uh, we're here. Let me remind you a couple things before we close, uh, we do have offer plates in the front and the back, we just asked you still continue to exit off this door for this Sunday, uh, and there's also plenty of hand sanitizer and stuff around uh, to do that. And immediately following us shutting down here, Christina's got a message online for the kids also, sort of what she's doing in Children's Church this morning. Uh, so remember that for those who are watching online, don't if you have kids, don't bug off quite yet. Or if you don't have kids, you might have to stay and listen to the uh, to what she has to say this morning. And I'm glad to have people visiting with us around. Glad to, to have you here. I uh, hope you'll come back and see us again next Sunday and, and come to our Bible study back again next Sunday for the first time in a couple of months at 9.30. Uh, that'll be going on for, for all ages. And so I hope you're here to be a part of that. Uh, don't think I'm forgetting anything. That probably means I'm forgetting something. But anyway, let's pray together and we'll sing and be dismissed. Father, we are so grateful that you have given us this life. And this is supposed to be an abundant life. But Father, we can't do that without understanding the spiritual world. And I pray for myself and for everyone here listening to my voice that we'll want to wake up in the morning and, and, and not just be in the physical world, but realize there's this whole spiritual dimension that we can't see that's more real, more, more deadly, more influential than the, than the realm of what we can see. And may we live our physical lives with our, with our eyes, with our mind, with our spirit, remembering the, the spiritual and letting the spiritual influence the physical. Father, may that be us. May we be your people who know how to live abundantly because we're aware of, of reality of what's really going on around us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.